So in the U.S., we pronounce that cave time. I heard Spud. It sounds cooler when you guys say it. Cave tayem. It's a cave tayem. <laughs> it's so much. Cave tayem. <laughs> so <laughs> our team, man, Ireland's the only place I come. You mock me, and I just want to come back for more. It's awesome. So the Americans are the one we're walking around, and we're pretty sure you're speaking English. <laughs> so this time I learned a little nuance. I study languages, and I, I'm we were I was communicating kind of with with uh, several of you, and I noticed this. You could be, you need to understand. If we look a little frustrated, it's because we really want to understand what we're all saying, and. So you have to understand. So sometimes at the end of a statement, you'll go, I, 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 and that's the I at the end. So when you're at the end and you go, I, that is my cue to go, oh, yeah, I'm seeing, absolutely. <laughs> so if I have agreed to something, <laughs> when you did an I, that's, uh, wow. So there are four words in particular that have stood out to me this time in one of those conversations. And it was, it was the word, uh, <clears throat> we're talking, and a guy said, so how's it cracking? I went, ah, oh, it's a terrible epidemic in the US. It's bad, I mean, it's, meth is worse, but then I realized, oh, cracking's good. So we have a little bit of a, and then this, uh, the place where we've stayed this time, the delightful hostess asked me if I was, she goes, you've had a long flight, you're gonna go take a kip? Well, a kip, a kip for an American kid is that gymnastics move that you could, I could never kip. You'd have to jump up off your back. I couldn't kip. And so when she said, take a kip, I'm like, why would you do that? I'm tired. How can I be kipping? And then, <laughs> this one was a double. You, 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 you use the word we a lot. In America, we train little children. The first, you go wee-wee in the bathroom. No, so when, when the, the, the we, that's, that's why we look a little confused. And then you use the bathroom in the loo. Well, loo in the, our country, that's a guy's name. It's loo. And so it's just we're, we're, uh, we're starting to communicate better. I am honored to be here when I met Spud um, a couple of years ago, I immediately, uh, <laughs> it was interesting. We had breakfast at the Dunsilly. This is a great name. Uh, we had breakfast at the Dunsilly. And I had done my, my homework. I had looked at what CVM was, and it said that the goal was to reach 250,000 men for Jesus. And I'm like, I'm in. Because we, Cave Time exists to kindle fire in as many men's hearts in as many places, through as many vehicles possible. And so I asked Spud, I said, Spud, I see that your goal is to reach 250,000 men for Jesus. Man, I'm with you. And then he said, and I, love, this, 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 I was in when he said, why should we stop there? I'm like, oh, more than 200. Why, why shouldn't we stop at all until all of them know? And so we knew that we were in. So my friend, it is an honor for us. I mean that. Uh, it is an honor for us to come across the ocean just to be with you. Uh, I mean that. We believe in you. We believe in what God is doing in uh, the men here. And so it is an honor just to be on the stage with you. I mean that with all of my heart. And so, Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit, you decided to change my message, so it's your fault, God. <laughs> I did my due diligence, I have all my slides made, and then you said do something different. So it must be for at least one guy here. And so I ask by the power of your spirit that you would move on every one of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen, and a thousand more. Well, we're gonna show a trailer to a movie that we made. Now, you have to know, I was not a film major in college. Uh, we have a good friend, uh, John Eldridge. Some of you have read Wild at Heart. Our middle sons have become buddies, so Sam and my middle son, Caleb, are, are friends, and they've kind of compared what 
their, uh, their dads do. And so <clears throat> the, Eldridge, uh, the Eldridge family invited us out and we went to one of their boot camps. It was amazing. We saw their new movie that got released and driving out of the mountains of Colorado, after we saw that movie, <clears throat> I distinctly heard the Lord say, what if you made a movie? And I whispered back to him, I don't, I don't make movies. He said, I do. And so I looked over to Caleb in my truck there, and any of you who know Caleb know that his middle name, his, his name in our family system is, all you have to ask him is to do something challenging, and he's good, I'm in! And so I said, Caleb, what if we made a movie? And he said, yeah, I'm in. And so I said, well, I didn't even tell you what it's about yet. And uh, he said, tell me, Dad. And God downloaded into our hearts that we would make a movie, like a world-class movie, not a movie that you would just show at some quote-unquote religious film festivals, but a movie that we could use to kindle fire in the hearts of men and tell our story, a story that when each of my sons turn five, I take them on a backpacking trip. We go into the Rocky Mountains of Colorado and we sleep up there where bears and mountain lions live and we catch fish and we talk about the, 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 the things that God is doing in our lives. We have an amazing time and we thought, let's, let's go and let's like do this world class, something that they would show uh, on the Outdoor Channel or something that we could release all across our country and we want to go to these secular film festivals and share about the, the fire that God's kindled in our heart through the vehicle of the out, outdoors. And so we went up and we shot this movie, and unbeknownst to us, it was going to reveal some things about our family that we're, we're not embarrassed of, but man, God decided through this vehicle of film he was going to air some laundry that we just, we just like wouldn't have put out there for the world to see, but we're not God. And so I want you to see the trailer to this film, and then listen, my oldest son is fishing, and he says a particular statement that this is what God said he wanted me to focus on and trash the other message and speak to you on, on this statement that Jacob says. So let's watch. Remember when I was 11, 12 years old, our family was going through a, a difficult time. Somehow the mountains became uh, a friend, a place where I could go and just uh, kind of like find myself. It was part of what defined me as a man. And then as I grew, uh, I kept coming back. And there was an allure uh, that I felt an exhilaration in the mountains. And as I bring my sons and as I bring other groups of men, I want them to feel what I felt for all these years. You know, the physicality part, that's, it's a little intimidating. I think it's gonna be a lot more mind over matter. You know, you come up here and I've changed over 15 years, but this hasn't. Unless you get out into the wild, I really feel like guys start to lose their energy and lose passion and lose drive. Getting out into the wilderness, it gives you a chance to kind of reignite those passions. Yeah, this trip was like an escape. I mean, when I was in deepest of my addiction, it was the only way I could get away. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't bring drugs up here. I couldn't get high up here. And to some extent, being up here was actually, I got, I got higher. It's kind of like manhood for every guy. Do I have what it takes? Is my equipment right? Honestly, I, if we didn't have this trip, I, you know, I could be dead. I feel like I need to retract the physically prepared statement <laughs> that I made. My quads and my calves were pretty much at a half cramp the entire time. I really don't know if we can go make the timeline. We are three fourths. Beautiful. Two thirds. We are six eighths away. And I feel that I'm passing it on. I've got uh, some, some of my, my students, guys that uh, we have history. It's an honor to pass it on to you. I learned to realize that, man, this legacy tradition aspect is not common. So first lesson, it doesn't matter if you don't do something, God tells you to do it and you do it.
uh, and he breathes on it, and people's lives are changed. Uh, so did you get the statement, what Jacob said? If it wasn't for this trip, I could be dead. When we shot this film, uh, we, we had been through some major stuff with our oldest son, uh, Jacob. He became addicted to heroin, actually has coded twice and died, uh, making his mother and I to wonder whose life is this, right? We're the middle class American, this doesn't happen to you type of people. And uh, I've come to know that the enemy hates us, he hates your kids, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do it any way he can. Uh, and so part of our story, and we didn't know that God was going to want to tell this to <laughs> thousands and thousands of people and just tout this story, uh, because I want to show you another little clip here in just a second where Jacob and I were, were fly fishing up in the mountains and and uh, so this is a little longer clip, but I want you to, to look at, so the backstory is we have been through major addiction with our son. I'll tell you the end of the story. Well, the end of the story isn't written yet because it just gets awesome. But uh, it was a dark time where our son wrestled with addiction. But because of something that God put on our hearts years ago, and that was to go up on, we called it the trip, every year. Every year, from the time that he was a five-year-old, uh, we take, so I have three sons, and now we, we take other men and uh, other sons, and we go up and we do this trip, and we just have fire kindled in their hearts at 11, 12, 13, 14,000 feet. It's amazing. Uh, but on this particular filming excursion, God chose to, uh, through, then uh, you have to understand, we're not trained actors, so... I can't do some of these things on cue, neither, neither can the guys who went. But we reveal through this, it's about a 10-minute clip, so we reveal uh, a, a, a significant part of our story uh, as we watch this, so check this out. So we're getting ready to go to one of my favorite fly fishing spots on the planet. Right through those trees, that little kind of a pond below the big lake. It is rough to get to, uh, but I've found that uh, a lot of times when something's rough to get to, those fish haven't been fished real hard, and uh, it's a great payday. But the terrain changes every time I'm up here. Uh, there are holes, there's buck brush that's taller than we are, so uh, it's an adventure. Let's get it done. We're making noise. We want you to know we're here. We want you to know we're here, Mr. Bear. Go away. As you can see all kind of game has come through here. There's the pool right there. The last of that sagebrush. Almost there. So anybody who's a real fly fisherman watching this will know that I'm pretty much a hack, but uh, this is my really cheap Eagle Claw. Uh, the only reason I use an Eagle Claw, it's a spin and a fly cast, uh, is because you can do both and you don't have to bring two rods. As long as I can remember, I have loved to fish. I, uh, I don't know if it's the predatory instinct that's in every man or uh, what it is, but I love to fish, but it was so much better when I fished with my dad. Uh, we would fish rivers or we would come just down below here at Echo Lake Lodge and we would laugh. We would, when I was young, he would answer any question I had about women, about We'd talk about the Denver Broncos, anything. And so fishing was just kind of an excuse, you know, to get time with my dad. Here we go. So it was really important for me to take my sons uh, because I loved spending time with my father and wanted them to have the same opportunity. 
I remember my first trip. Um, it, it wasn't to this spot, but I was I was four years old, and I was wearing a little blue jumpsuit, matching matching pants and top. And I remember I caught a fish on my first cast. And I think we came to this spot two years later. Um, so I was six, and I remember camping right up in the trees behind us. Best experience of my young life. I couldn't wait to get back. When he was a early teens, mid-teens, Jacob, my oldest son, um, just not sure why, just became curious with some of the wrong things. Um, and I think it just started with some minimal stuff and then uh, ultimately um, to alcohol and pot and then some, some stuff that led to addiction. Growing up in a great family, there's no reason what happened to happen except for you know, I kind of, I kind of fell for the devil's lies. Um, I never, I never really felt like I fit in. I um, mean, it just kind of, I don't know how to explain it except it just took over, and I couldn't stop. No matter how bad I wanted to, no matter how bad it hurt my family, no matter how bad they wanted me to stop, I just couldn't stop. Um, and I, I was, I was truly enslaved. His addictions uh, put a strain on our relationship because it got so bad at one point, I felt like I had to protect my family uh, from another family member, which is just not, that's not normal, you know? And so I was mad, I was sad uh, when I saw what it did uh, to his mother and his siblings. Um, it was really, uh, really, really difficult. It, towards the end, it got to where I, I had to have it. I, I even, I was using heroin just to stay normal. Just to, I wasn't, get, I wasn't even getting high anymore. It was, I needed it um, or I'd get sick. I mean, it was the last thing I thought about when I went to bed and the first thing I thought about when I woke up. And I wish it wasn't that way, but it was. I went through rehab in the military. Um, it got me kicked out of the military. My my addiction. It got me kicked out of uh, college. You know, I, I kind of I had life set up for me, and um, I just couldn't stop. I think when he uh, got kicked out of the same college that I went to, um, something changed. Something clicked in me, and uh, I became. I'm never a hopeless person, but I just saw the power of addiction, and uh, um, I just wasn't sure what to do. Um, and I can remember him fishing with me here as a little boy before all the addiction and heroin. Um, he, caught, he caught his first fish here and uh, it just wasn't right, you know? <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. And so all I needed to do was to keep inviting him on the on the trip every year. Uh, it was one reason to get back together and so this crazy trip, he would come on and we would fish and, and uh, I didn't know whether we was living under a bridge or in a drug house somewhere. I'd, but he would somehow in July check on us because he wanted to go on this trip, <laughs> this crazy trip backpacking and fishing somehow brought him out of wherever he was at and it would reunite us yeah this trip was like an escape it was um, I mean when I was in the deepest of my addiction it was the only way I could get away you know I couldn't I couldn't bring drugs up here I couldn't get high up here and to some extent being up here was actually I got I got higher than using drugs. Like it was better being up here because we could all get away from what we were going through in life. There was that common bond, you know? We could get up here and leave everything behind. Um, There's just something about the power of this trip and the power of the mountains and just fishing. And honestly, I, if we didn't have this trip, I, you know, I could be dead because there were times where this trip came at just the right time. You know, I needed something outside of myself 
to, to break that for me. And ultimately, that's what happened. Makes me love God so much for making the mountains and, and uh, just I feel his rhythm up here and somehow this trip would pull him back into that rhythm. It was, it's a beautiful thing. The relationship now is so much better. Uh, Jacob's a man. He's married, paying bills, and a member of his local church. I mean, he's, I always knew he was a good man, but now he's acting like what, what I know that he is. And uh, I'm proud of him, and it's good, to, it's good to see him. It's good to see him. You know, I don't live in Oklahoma. I live in Michigan with my wife. Um, but before I left, you know, that was, that was the last thing I wanted to make sure that that we were good on was our relationship between me and my dad. And you know, um, he has he um, he married me and Abby, my wife. Um, to see him do that and to see him cry because he was proud of me, and to see him proud of me up here. Um, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I, just as long as my dad's proud of me, and I know he is, I couldn't ask for anything more at this point in my life. There's a place I go when I need a getaway. There's a peace I know that soothes the soul. And this life I found. I know it's not my own So when I run to you It's like I'm running home Where I find peace I find my way Down by the water He waits for me Where I find strength for each and every day I've seen it a thousand times and still I'm amazed that God would choose our family to tell one of the epic stories of all time, the prodigal son story. Uh, as I watch that and I see Jacob say again, if it wasn't for this trip, I could be dead. That, that statement is very pertinent for someone here today. As I prayed for you, I think that uh, uh, you, were, you were even considering taking your life this week. There may be more than one of you who thought about, I knew nothing about those statistics. That must stop. <laughs> Without this trip, Jacob could be dead. Without the trip to the father, <laughs> we would all be dead. As I've watched that time and time again, I'm like, I can't believe, because you see, when I, look, when I look at me, I'm like, there are some things coming out of my mouth that are only God, because there are a million times I wanted to kill that boy. Man, how dare you do that to my family? How dare you do that to your mother? And then there's this heart of God that's like, but that's my little boy. <sighs> so he coded. Uh, it's been three years ago. He, he died. I mean, we have, the, we have the doctor's notes. He died. Came back to life. <laughs> Why? Because let me tell you this. Faithful prayers of righteous people avail much. Don't give up. Don't give up. None of you. Don't give up if you're praying for that son or daughter. Because I promise you, people aren't giving up on you, and you can be called back to life. <laughs> if it wasn't for this trip, I could be dead. And I realized that God had chosen our family to tell the prodigal son story. And so I'm going to ask, if you, would, if you would please, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> and we're going to just look real quick. In this whole time of, you know, the fight and who, you, who, who you're going to fight for and who you're going to stand for, I thought I was going to go a certain way on this. But God rattled my chain. He shook me and said, first of all, you tell them who's fighting for them. Do you hear what Jacob said at the pond there? Man, I just needed to know that it was okay with my dad. 
My dad did the wedding between my wife and I. My dad, my dad, my dad. The heart of a prodigal for the father. And the heart of a prodigal, not just for any father, but you have got to hear about God your father, the one who fights for you. That's what I want you to hear today. Luke 15, let's start at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent every, and that wild living, with that, that particular term, he became as pagan as you can become. He sold out to everything you could sell out sensually. He sold out religiously. This was the most decadent. Uh, of things the boy could have done. Verse 14, after he spent everything there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself, that term really means became glued to, out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. So we know he was a Gentile. This, This, you couldn't have gotten worse than this prodigal. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Have you ever been at this place? where you have screwed up so badly, you have messed up so badly that you, you, you just feel like you can't, you, you, th- th- there's no way you could be reconciled. But maybe there's a little hope. So you go through in your mind what the speech would be. So I have my, my dad is actually here and I remember, I remember the first automobile I got was a 1971 Dodge Challenger. Now, one side of it was bashed in. So as long as I drove by school with the non-bashed in side, I looked so cool. Uh, But he was very smart. We ultimately got it fixed, and it was a six-cylinder. And I don't know if he put something on that motor to not let it go. It couldn't go really any faster than 60, 65, but it looked cool. And then I remember one one weekend, he he and my mom were going to go up out of town, and he said to me, Jeff, have a great, a great time this weekend, but remember, don't ever take your vehicle in the mountains because if you go in the mountains, it's gonna wrap it up too tight and you could, you explain a bunch of stuff that I didn't, I'm like, oh yeah, what's he know, he's old. And, uh, and, so, and so he and my mom went, went out of town a couple of hours and I had caught at a very young age that virus called trout fishing. And uh, the virus that particular weekend was very, very, it was acting out very, very powerfully. And I had heard about a particular spot where you could go to take care of that virus and catch some trout. And so I, I didn't have any of my friends, didn't have their vehicles. Nobody could take me but my vehicle. And so what if I go really slow? I mean, how... Come on, Dad. He's just like being way too careful. So I, I take the old Dodge Challenger up into the mountains. I, uh, I unfortunately didn't catch many fish that day, but Mom and Dad were going to be back at a certain time, so I, you know, I, I, I started coasting down out of the mountains and uh, had made it to the place that they call the Hogback. The Hogback is that last place, and so I'm to the Hogback. I'm like, see, you didn't know, and all of a sudden, pow! And there was smoke, and there was, it was, it, 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 I felt like, it felt like there was a nuclear bomb had gone off in the front of my vehicle. So I pull off of the road, and, and uh, it, it, it was bad. There was like oil coming out of the bottom, there was smoke, and, and then I, 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 I just heard my dad. Remember, don't take that car in, into the mountains. And me thinking, you know, what does he know? So this was before the age of cell phones. So I'm parked to the side of the road. I had to walk a mile to the next exit and then a mile back 
to get, I, so I had a long time to prepare my remarks as I went to the payphone. And uh, it, went, it went something, there were several different iterations of my remarks, but one of them was I got in a, I got in a fight, a gang fight. I mean, there, were, there was a bunch of different iterations that were very heroic, Wayne. They were very heroic, and I was working on it. And, and uh, uh, <laughs> so I finally make it to the phone at the, the, the uh, filling station there, and I call my dad. <laughs> and uh, my dad was a really cool dad because he had a car phone in his car, and so I call him in his car. I'm like, hey, Dad. Like, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm like, good. I love you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. love you, too. I'm like, no, Dad, I love you a lot. You are just an example of masculinity. I mean, I was putting it on. You are such, you stand strong for Mom and Jenny and I and the nation. We are indebted to you, Dad. I love you. I was pouring it on thick. He's like, thanks, buddy. I love you, too. What's up? And I said, well, hey, I went fishing. He's like, good, you did? How'd you get there? <laughs> um, I, t I, took, I took my car, Dad. It got up there really well. And he's like, good, good. What's going on now? I'm like, Dad, the car's on fire. It blew up. It blew up, Dad. Oh, my God. And he's like, okay, all right, you're good. What mile marker? I told him, and then I had time to wait. While he made it back to town, got the pickup, uh, the company pickup, and came to get me. And I remember I was sitting there on the side of the road practicing my speech, right? Practicing my speech. I'm like, I've got to do something good. And my dad, he drives by, he goes around, and he comes up, and there we are. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey. He's like, you okay? I'm like, uh, I'm okay. And he, he hooks it up to a chain, and we get, we get in, in the truck, and I'm getting ready to give my speech. I said, <gasps> and he stopped me. He goes, stop. He said, you've probably already beat yourself up. And I said, I have, Dad. <laughs> and I was snorting and crying. <laughs> and... Uh, he said, oh, you've, you've probably already punished yourself more than I ever would. Man, I love you. Thank God you're not hurt. And I am really excited. He said this. I'm really excited. You're going to get in really good shape as you walk everywhere. <laughs> like, thanks. That's comforting. Um, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't beat me up. I deserved, I deserved punishment. But he just loved on me, and I did get in really good shape. I got to walk a lot of places and get a job and buy something else, right? But a father, a father who, I didn't even get to give my speech. That's the thing I love about this. This son, this son had done about everything that he could do, but he was making the trip. The trip that if he didn't make that trip, he would die. Some of you had to make that trip here, or you would have died. Maybe your marriage would have died. Maybe, I don't know what's going on, but you had to come to this place, because if you didn't have the trip, you would die. And you needed to get to the one who fights for you. So he had his speech, right? We've all, we've all gone over our speech, what we would say. Uh, and then look at this. Oh, I love this. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Oh, you've got to see this. You've got to, in, the, in Middle Eastern culture, the, once you get to a certain age, you don't run because you're the patriarch. You don't run. And especially run for that disrespectful, stupid, uh, a prideful son that took, are you kidding me? And so think if you're that kid. You've, you've got your speech and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh boy, the old man's running. I've never seen him run. I am dead meat. Dead meat. And so he's thinking of his speech. Now the father, 
The father had been going out to the deck every day since that son went, and he'd been asking for reports. There was no text. There was no email. He had wanted reports, and maybe a report came back that he wasn't doing well. And he would get that report, but there was hope. And he would go out to the deck every day, and he'd look into the, into the sunset. And he'd look, and he was wondering, is he, is he going to come back? Is my son going to come? Is he going to come back? And he was looking, he was looking, but the son didn't know why he was looking. And there he, there he comes, and the father sees him. And he sees him. And I love this. And he's like, there he is. There he is. Everybody, there. And he just takes off. Running. Who fights for you? A God who runs for you. You have a father who runs for you. He runs for you and look what he does. So the one, the one who fights for you loves you so much that he, he's looking for you. Did you see it in Jacob's, in Jacob? Did you see it in his face? Did you hear it in his voice? He was like, just, just as long as my dad. Just as long as my dad, I was okay. That's all I needed. <laughs> That's the kind of father you have. That is the kind of father you have that looks for you. And let me, let me, let me show you how he looks for you. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. There are so many rules that this old man breaks. I mean, he breaks. Old men don't run. In fact, according to Levitical law, this kid could have been stoned to death. He was disrespectful. He had done everything offensive that he could do. But there was that one last hope that if he made the trip, he wouldn't die. And so we went back to the old man, Papa, Daddy, who comes off of the deck, sees him, and, and, and you, right there, the, the, the kid tries to start to give his speech, and, and the, the dad totally ignores the speech. But he gets up, there he is, and he runs to him. He runs to him, and he, he, he like grabs him, he starts kissing him. Before a shower, this kid had major stank on him. But that's, that's the kind of dad that fights for you. The God, the God that you came here to meet, how he fights for you, he couldn't wait for you to get to the room today. <laughs> he couldn't wait for you to be here. Did you feel him in worship? Did you feel him when you were talking to the guys that you understood that we didn't? But I still felt it. When we were looking at each other, I'm like, I, I think that guy likes me. That's, that's, that's the heart of our God. That's the ethos and the passion of the kingdom. He is the one who fights for you. He fights through religion. He fights through your mistakes. He fights through your shame. In fact, he looks for you. And then this word compassion, he longs for you. I love it. It's the, the English doesn't do it justice. It literally means, it means that there, there was a love in his guts. <laughs> There is, there is something inside of God for you that in spite of all of the stuff that we've done, he is compelled to look for you and launch himself into you. And the beauty of this right here, he fell on him, threw his arms on him, and kissed him. Then the son said to him, verse 21, so he's getting into the speech, right? He's getting, he's getting like leapt all over by his dad. He's getting kissed and hugged and grabbed. And imagine the shock, because he had this speech. All he wanted to do was be a doulos, a slave, right? But the dad is kissing him like you would kiss, you know, somebody who was royalty. And it was. This is my son. I'm waiting for him. And that's the kind of God that you made the trip when Jacob talks about this trip, friends, there are times we didn't know where he was. And now I found out his story. He slept under bridges. He, he defiled himself. He did things that, you know, we just, we just don't do. I wasn't raised, you weren't raised like that. But the enemy doesn't care. 
He wants to soil you. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal and kill your people. He doesn't care. But the Father that we serve that fights for us wants you back now. And he doesn't give a rip about your speech. <laughs> for you to try to, you know, here, I, I've thought this out. Right? I've thought this out. If I could do this and I could do this and you could just let me live in that little bunk on the backside with your hired hands, you're not a hired hand. You're my son. I love you. I've been waiting for you every day. Oh, my son Jacob now, he's been clean for over two years. He's married and his wife Abby is pregnant with their first baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and several weeks ago, he just ran an ultra marathon, a 50-mile ultra marathon, right? He was, told, he was told that he had done so much damage because of the heroin. Remember, he, he, he flatlined. He died. He was told that you've ruined brain cells. You've done, you, you're, you're just going to be good. If you do this again, you will surely die and stay dead. Uh, but you, you, you know, you, the physical stuff, he just ran a 50 mile marathon, get this, in a town in Michigan called hell. Come on, you can't make that kind of stuff up. <laughs> and he says it's all tied back to, and I'm telling you this, his mom, my, my wife, who today is our 34th wedding anniversary, she let me come here, yeah. She prayed for her son. She, I don't think she ever thought about killing him like I did. Right? So the stuff you're seeing, the Father God come through me, that is only a miracle. But you, 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 you see what Jacob wanted. He wanted that verification from his father. And now look, I invited him. I would get mad at God. I'm like, I have preached through and read that sermon a hundred times, and that guy only had to invite his kid back once. For me, it was eight times. He would come back and shoot up in my house, and I'd have to kick him out again. He'd come back. He'd shoot up in my house. I'd have to kick him out again. One night, we wrestled all night with demonic forces in my house. <laughs> but something would come over me, and I would invite that knucklehead back. Because there was just some kind of otherworldly hope that we were going to get through this, right? And now, you guys, you got to get this. Now he calls me on a weekly basis, and he's like my advisor. The other day he called, he said, Dad, I'm really concerned about your diet. I, I'm looking at the phone, I'm like, this is the guy that lived under a bridge. Is I'm really concerned about like a lot of sugar intake and you're getting a little puffy around the middle. I went, who, who are you and what have you done with my son? He is like the epitome of health and renewal. And when Jesus makes somebody new and they come back to the Father, they're new. It's a crazy thing. And I can't wait, I can't wait to see him. And, and we were together for his 30th birthday. We didn't even think he would make 28. We were together for his 30th birthday and our wives had to walk away because we were like junior high boys in the mall doing stupid stuff. We were making sounds like people passing gas and stuff. We were making up for old, you know, and my, my wife was like, goodbye, that is, oh, grow up. Thank you, doctor. And they would walk away. We were like a couple little boys making up for lost time. Oh, if he wouldn't have made that trip, he could have died. If you wouldn't have made the trip here today, you could have died. Meanwhile, verse 25. Now let's go to verse 22. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You have to see the kind of God, the kind of father who fights for you is the one who looks for you. The one who has, he longs for you. It's in his guts. He just can't wait to be with you, right? And then, and then he, wants, he wants to laugh with you. He wants to celebrate with you. He's not a God that's mad at you. He's a God that 
wants to laugh over you. Spud said that before. I didn't know you were going to say that. He wants to laugh over you. He wants to laugh at what the enemy tried to do and can't because as Spud said, in a moment, he can change your eternal destiny. In a moment, he could heal you. He could set you free. In a moment, that's the kind of God we serve. The one that wants to, he's longing for you, he's looking for you, and then he wants to laugh with you. Like Jacob and I in that shopping mall, acting like a couple of junior high boys. He wants to laugh with you. Some of you think, he thought that God was mad at you. No, you had to make this trip because something had died in you. That excitement, the twinkle in your eye that was there when you were a little boy that God wants to bring back because he wants to laugh over you. And then look, look the, the, the sad part of this story, the older brother, verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He was invited by the father to come into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat who could celebrate and I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, look at that, you guys, he wouldn't even say his brother's name, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fatted calf for him. Oh, the poor older brother that was religious, that wouldn't come into the party. Religious people don't party well. They're too tight. Right? And then religious people like to fight. They like to fight about this and that. The father said, no, my stuff has always been yours. Come into the party. Right? So this is a father. Look at the end here. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. Come on into the party. <laughs> That's the kind of God who fights for you, the God that invites you into the party that is possible because of Jesus. God looks for us. He longs for us. Right, He wants to laugh over us, and then he wants to link us. He wanted to link that brother, but he wouldn't come in. He wanted to lock shields, have them lock shields together, and have them be coming into the party. But he wouldn't because of his tight nature and his religion. His, he had lived well, and I can't believe that, that that son of yours, he wouldn't even use his name, would come into the party. I'm out. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because some of you in this room have thought that God was mad at you. Some of you, uh, maybe you're the one that said, I, if, I, if I wouldn't have taken this trip and come to this event, I could be dead. If, if that is you, I want to pray for you personally. I'm not going to call you down front, but if you're that guy, if you're that guy that you have thought God was mad at you, you have thought that, man, you, you, you just, you've sensed that you need some freedom, I want to pray for you today because you haven't known the God who fights for you. If that's you, stand up. You have felt sh ashamed. You have felt like, you just like, God is mad at me. I came in here, to, I think God is mad at me. If that's you, stand to your feet. I want to pray over you. Anybody in this room, you felt like God is mad at you. Maybe you felt like you were, you were like Jacob, you were lost, and God was ashamed of you. Is that you? Stand up to your feet. And we're not gonna do the easy way. It'd be easy to have the band come up. It's a lot easier when there's music, but we're staring at you because that's a manly thing to do. Have you felt that God was ashamed of you? Stand to your feet. Ah, yeah, there are a bunch of you in here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can clap for him. That takes fortitude. Anybody else? Once you stood up, stay standing. Anybody else? You have felt like, like if you, did, you, were, you were hanging on the brink. If you didn't make this trip, you, you could be dead. A marriage dead, your life, I don't know. You may have thought about taking your life. That's you. If you didn't come, if you didn't come here to this, you could, you could have been dead. Something in your life could have been dead. Stand to your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stay up, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's all. Look at that. Come on, boys. Got some manly men in Ireland. Yeah, keep standing. We'll wait a little longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. Keep going. I, I, can't, I can't help but think some of you still, that shame, you've, you've felt that God was ashamed of you. And I came to tell you today, no, 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 he's not. He's not ashamed of you. He's the God who loves you, wants to laugh over you, right? How about, how about anybody, any folks dealing with shame? You felt that God was ashamed of you. Anybody else? I'm going to pray in 30 seconds. Anybody else? Good job. Amen. 19, 18, 17, 16. Anybody else? All right. Those of you who are around those brothers that stood up, put your hands on their back and their shoulder. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, look at that. Locking shields in prayer. Oh, I came for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we put our hands on our brothers, we say, you today, this day, this second, right now, right now, the God who fights for you is ministering to you with uh, love. He's ministering to you with uh, a, a, a particular touch. He's touching you in your mind, body, and spirit now like you've never been touched uh, by him before. In the name of Jesus, may he bring to you a freedom. In the name of Jesus, yeah, this trip was for you. If you didn't make this trip, something in you was gonna die but it didn't, and now you're alive in a fresh and a new way. <laughs> we speak that over you as your brothers. We prophesy hope, light, and life to you. In the name of Jesus, we prophesy laughter to you. We prophesy freedom to you. May you have a freedom that you have never had before. May that, that the spring in your step that you haven't had since you were a little boy Come back, and may there be life in you. And may God laugh over you. In the name of Jesus, amen.